Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning, Movement Church. Come on, let's try that again. Good morning, Movement Church. You guys look fantastic. Most of you sound fantastic. I'm glad that you made it today, and I'm wearing shorts. Can I get an amen? I just have to acknowledge it because some of you are judging me harshly, so we'll just get through that. Uh, You chose a great week to be here. If you're new with us today, maybe the first time, my name is Carrie. My wife and I are some of the pastors here, and we're just so stoked that you're with us. We really are. You you caught week two of a series called The Way I See It, and and we're really just kind of unpacking. Here's the truth. We decided in preparation for this series, we thought, what, why don't we just teach some of the teachings of Jesus? It's kind of a good idea, right? And, and here's the, the truth about it is the teachings of Jesus were simple truths. He would say things like, love those who hate you or those who despitefully use you. He said, treat people like you expect to be treated. And, and he did this in a way that was so simple. He said things like, hey, Don't focus on the issues of other people when you have issues of your own. How many of you know some people that have some issues? Would you raise your hand? Okay, good. You're my people. How many would say, okay, honestly, I have some issues? Would you? Okay, thank you. Now we've got some honest folks in here. And so he would take these teachings and just unpack them in stories. These profound truths that would he would simplify them in word pictures, but call them parables. And so what we're doing in this series, we've chosen five of these parables that we're going to pull powerful insight from while simultaneously uncomplicating them. Listen, I got to be honest. Thanks, Megan. I got to be honest. I just think sometimes we overcomplicate Christianity. We overcomplicate spirituality and we overcomplicate what God's trying to do in our lives. And so that's kind of what this entire series is about. Today, we're unpacking the parable of the sower. And some of you have heard this before. And I'm actually going to, to read a passage of scripture for, for you in a moment. But before we even dive in, here's what I would ask that you do. I would ask you to just be open to what God can and wants to do in this place in a powerful way. Hey, listen, I don't know what your belief background is. I don't know what you came in with. Maybe it's the worst week you've ever had in your life. Maybe today is the greatest day you've ever had. Regardless of what happened, the moments before walking into this building, I believe God has been organizing and orchestrating your life and mine to do something powerful in our lives today, but I actually believe it's based upon our expectation. So I would just ask for a few moments that we have together that you would open your heart to what God can and wants to do. Can we do that? Would you mind praying with me today? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're going to speak to us and through us, that you have great ideas and plans and expectations for us. So God, we want to match that expectation. I just pray that you'd do something that only you can do, that you would be God. Lord, you know every scenario, every circumstance, every issue that we've walked in with. And Lord, some some of us walked in and it's been a rough week maybe a rough month, or if we're honest, a rough year. So God, I just pray you'd meet us right where we're at, uniquely and individually. I thank you that you're you're that good of a God, that you can do just that. So we lean into you now, and we give you honor and praise. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. So I want to read this parable from a translation of the Bible called King James. 
Some of you have heard it before, and I think actually to most people, I think that most people think that God speaks in the way that this translation is read. Now, the Bible was written in Greek and Hebrew and then translated into English, and this version was translated in the 1600s. And how many of you know talk was a little bit different back then? <laughs> so I'm going to read this parable in this King James Version, and then I'm going to come back again and re-illustrate it differently. So check this out, Luke chapter 8, verse 4, in the King James Version. Oh, before I go any further, I want to tell you this. If you haven't yet, text the word notes to the number on the screen and follow along. Everything I'm going to unpack is in there and you don't want to miss it. So check this out, Luke chapter 8, verse 4, it says this, and when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. Everybody say spake. What does that even mean? He spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it out. And in others fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit and hundredfold. Isn't that an hundredfold not? That just feels awkward saying it. And when he had said these things, he cried out, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. So we took this same parable, this same passage of scripture, and we shared it with some of your children. As is going to be customary for this series, so just get prepared. And we asked them, would you do us a favor and retell the story the way that you see Jesus telling this very story? And we figured it would be best to capture this on video. So do me a favor and turn your attention to the screen. The way I see it, Jesus said there, there was a farmer who threw all of the seeds on the ground and some of them went on the house, an elephant snot, and a fence. And some were made out of licorice and some were made out of fruit roll-up and some were just regular and people thought it was sunflower seeds that they can eat but then they were poisonous and they died. Some people ate the candy ones but they didn't. They got really lucky and, and then they t had the power to speak in people's minds and then some of them died when they're in the people who got ate the poison, the poison seeds, the seeds died and the people died too. That end. Everyone died in that parable. <laughs> Anyways, we, we wanted to do that, to honestly, to really illustrate, man, Jesus didn't overcomplicate things. He really brought simple stuff that's applicable for us today. But here's the good news. If you've ever read the word or the teachings of Jesus and you've been like, I don't really fully understand where to go with this or what that means, you're in good company. In fact, uh, when Jesus told the story, his disciples felt the same way. But I want to read the same parable from the English Standard Translation, which is a more modern translation, same story. And then I'm going to unpack this today. Luke chapter 8, verse 4, 
It says this, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable or a word picture, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it out. And some fell on good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, he who has ears, let him hear. Now I'm going to take the next 28 minutes and 45 seconds and unpack three figures Four types of soil and three thorns. Do y'all feel like I can knock that out in 28 minutes? I, so I'm telling you, take notes. I feel like this is going to be good for all of us. But again, if you've ever read a scripture and thought, what am I supposed to do with this? What is this for? What is this even for? The disciples kind of felt the same way. When they heard Jesus telling this parable, they were sitting back listening, going, that's so good. Come on, wow, have you ever heard that the movement church sounded just like that? So good, and they were just like, Jesus, that parable is amazing. And then after he was done, Jesus was off to the side and the disciples came up and like, hey JC, here's the thing. We like to drill a little bit deeper into that parable, not for us, but for Peter. He, he couldn't fully wrap his mind around what it was that you were trying to say. And so we're hoping that maybe you could unpack that. Again, not for us, but, but for Peter, if you could. And so Jesus did just that. And I want to do the same thing for you today. So I want to talk about three figures, four types of soil, and three thorns. And my hope is we'll all walk away from here Perfect. No, I'm kidding. My hope is we'll all walk away from here working on getting just a little bit better. Number one, the first figure we can pull from this parable is the seed. Everyone say the seed. Jesus came back and he started talking to his disciples and he said in Luke chapter 8 verse 11, now this parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Jesus used this parable, ladies and gentlemen, to teach about mankind's reception to God's word. He used this parable to unpack mankind's reaction to God's word. And I want to give you a little bit of a secret, kind of let you in on something a little behind the scenes. The word of God, the Bible is the nature of God communicated to you and me. You can't separate and accept one without the other. In fact, in John, it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God. It's God's nature, his hope, his heart, his plans for you. Have you ever heard of the term, my word is my bond, right? We don't say that anymore because we don't trust humans nor their word, right? Has anyone in this room ever been let down by another person? Would you raise your hand? Let's reverse it. Has anyone in this room ever let someone down? Would you? Okay, right. So we don't usually trust people, but when we say my word is my bond, what we're communicating is that my words are a reflection of who I am. And that is the exact same thing that the word of God is for you and for me. God's plan, his hope, his heart for you and for our lives. And yet there's so many of us who hear God's word and yet very few who actually live it. 
You need to know that God's word is for today. The Bible said that God's word is living. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is alive and active. It does not simply record the great events of the past. It's not merely a message about God, but it's one spoken by God for you and for me. Why? Because God's word it also identifies the things that I need to change and shift and rearrange in my life. It's God's promise for our life. And so we've got to give God God's word permission to speak to our life. It's alive and active. That verse goes on to say it's sharper than any double-edged sword. In other words, it's got the ability to pierce and divide. The scripture says the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. In other words, the feelings that I have about myself versus what the truth of God's word says to me. Are you tracking with me? It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. I love what Psalm 119 says. Check this out. It says, how can a young person live a clean life? Now, before we go any further, how many of you in this room know somebody who is currently living that's older than you? Would you raise your hand? Okay, so we're all a young person. Great. How can a young person live a clean life? Look at this. By carefully reading the map of your word. The map of your word. Look at what it says. I'm single-minded in my pursuit of you. Don't let me miss the road signs that you've posted. And where are the road signs posted? In God's word. Look at this next part. It says, I've banked your promises in the vault of my heart. Why? So that I won't let myself sin myself bankrupt. The word of God is alive and active for you and me, and we need it in our life. It's a roadmap, not to a perfect life, but to a full life. And the seed is the word of God. Three figures we're going to pull from this parable. Number one, the seed, which is the word of God. Number two, everybody say number two, the soil. And the soil, it's you and it's me. Not your neighbor, not your husband, not the person who drug you to church, but it's you. Not first service, not the kids across, it's you. The soil is you and me. And here's what happens. Jesus kind of gently pulls the curtain back on the human heart. It's like exposing the human heart. And he reveals the mixed reaction, the mixed responses that we have to the truth of God's word. And the soil is a representation of you and me. And I just want to pause for a moment and tell you this, that the seed's potential is completely dependent upon the soil. God's word, his hopes, his plans, his promises for you are completely dependent upon the soil. And in this parable, Jesus lays out four different types of soil. Four different types of soil. And here's what I would ask from everyone in this room. Regardless of your faith background, regardless of your journey, regardless of what has happened thus far, I would ask that all of us in this room would just be open and introspective and say, God, which type of soil am I? Not your spouse, not your friends, not your parents, not your boyfriend, not your girlfriend. Which type of soil are you? Three figures, four soils, three thorns. I think we can still do this. Yeah. What type of soil are you? In this parable, the first he says or he refers to is along the path. And this is a representation of a hardened heart. 
Jesus said, and as this sower sowed the seed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. This is referring to people who hear his word, hear his hope for their future, but the enemy comes in and steals it away. Jesus is illustrating through common crops in that day and age in Palestine, which in those days were split into long, narrow strips, divided with this walkway, a pathway, which was called a right-of-way that would go down the center of this field. And it was a commonly used path with crops on either side. So the farmer would sow seed and some would fall in the crops, but other would fall along the path. And the seed that fell along the path, the path was beaten and hard as a road. And so the seed had no chance of actually penetrating or getting in and below the surface. It was the hardness of the ground that caused the word to be snatched away. And listen to me, this is exactly what the enemy does in our life. Satan uses the experiences that we've had, the fears that we struggle with, the skepticism that we usually lean to, the moments when someone failed us or a church treated us poorly or whatever it might be, someone of faith that wasn't there for you when they should have been there. And he uses those moments in our lives like a puppet master with a puppet. And he allows those experiences to shape the way that we think and then we harden our heart to who God is and more importantly to what God can do. And here's my challenge. If you're here today and this is a representation of the soil of your life, my challenge and my encouragement would simply be open to the possibility of God. You don't have to believe everything about it. I'm just saying be open to the possibility of God. And I would even dare you, if I may, to just ask God to reveal himself to you. If you're struggling with the notion of, does God even exist? Does he even love me? Is this really the truth? And like you say that it is, then I would just challenge you just to say, God, would you reveal yourself to me? And I would just tell you to get prepared because he's pretty good at that. And actually, he might be doing that right now. And if this soil represents someone in your life that's a loved one, can I just encourage you, don't try to be God and stop trying to teach lessons. I've read the job description and God's the only one qualified to be God. And you're not that great of a teacher. So here's what you can do if it is a loved one. Pray first and love always. That should always be our response. What, are you saying that I should just let them live in the way they're living and have the, make the decisions that they're making? No, I'm just saying stop talking. Pray in love. Let's start there. If the path is too hard and if their heart is hardened to the things of God, then man, there's nothing you can say or do that's going to change that. Why? Because the seed's potential always rests within the soil. The second type of soil I want to talk about today is rocky ground. And this represents the enticement of sin. Jesus unpacked this in verse 13, and he said, And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and look at this, and in time of testing, they fall away. 
This doesn't mean that the, the ground was full of stones, but rather the ground had this small, thin layer of soil over the top, that just a very thin layer of soil over a shelf of limestone, which is very customary and very normal in that day and age. And, and so this ground did not have the moisture or the nourishment. And so the growing plant was bound to wither and die. Why? Because it didn't have a healthy root system. This is talking about the people who hear the word of God and believe its truth, but quickly abandon it when testing comes. And so many people I have experienced in, in, in the journey that I've had in, in ministry, and I, I'm not saying I'm perfect or anyone is, but I've seen so many people that limit their faith journey to a moment or an experience this emotional moment or an experience. And here's the truth. The truth is those moments or experiences usually follow, follow a crisis or a difficulty in someone's life, a crisis or a difficulty that I don't have the answers to. And undoubtedly it's driven me to a position of being on my knees. And then I look up and say, God, okay, do something in my life. And I have a moment or an experience where God becomes real, but so many people find their way to their feet again, and limit the journey to that moment. They limit the journey to that moment, and here is the challenge. Strengthening your spiritual walk with the Lord, it is not easy. It takes work. Why? Because it's about removing the things that are no longer healthy for me. Following God is not about striving to be perfect, nor is it about being judgmental. But if we're really following Jesus and there comes a moment where the Holy Spirit leans in and says, hey, Carrie, I know you want to do that, but it's really not the best for you anymore. And I've got better things. And, and in order for you to get there, you're going to have to let go of that thing that you want to be a part of, the decisions that you want to make. And that is never easy. And so we leave our faith journey to a moment. And what he's saying here is we've got to shift beyond this emotional hype of an experience and then walk into this daily walking yeah. with the Lord. Yeah. Remember when you got that brand new job and you were so stoked about it and you were telling all your friends about it. It was the best thing that ever happened. And then after four weeks, three weeks, six weeks, two years, like blah, 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 blah. I gotta find a new job. Or just be faithful. And this is what our spiritual journey is like. It begins with a moment, but we cannot leave it there. Why? Because the enticement of sin is lurking around every corner. The enemy knows what you struggle with, he knows. And we've got to develop a healthy root system or sin wins every time. Growing spiritually, building a spiritually healthy root system, it takes time. It requires me giving God's word permission to speak into my life. Notice I said not just listening to God's word, but giving God's word permission to speak, which means I not only listen, but I also obey I've got two daughters, a nine-year-old and 14-year-old, and I ask them to do things all the time. That's why I had kids. <laughs> hey, I need you to do that. Did you hear me? Yes. Do I actually care if they heard me? No, I care if they're going to do what I said. Can I get an amen? amen? It's the same thing when it comes to God's word in our lives. And here's what happens. We love it when it says things that we love it to say. Yeah. And then there comes some moment when a preacher is preaching 
or you read a passage and something on the inside is like, I don't like that part. <laughs> That's great for so-and-so, but I'm really kind of beyond that. And then when I get to a point when I disagree with the truth of God's word, so few of us would actually take a Bible and throw it away. It would be your phone, so you would never do that. That was a lot funnier, but it's cool. <laughs> and most of us wouldn't spit in the face of God. But what we would do is slowly remove his permission to speak into our lives. And it's a slow drift in a different direction. We stop bringing healthy, godly nutrients to our spiritual root system. And then when the first sign of temptation, the first sign of sin pops up, we fall by the wayside. Growing spiritual, uh, spiritually healthy root system, it requires me giving godly people permission to speak into my life. Yes, and we really don't like this. We don't want people to have the ability to speak to the things in our life that we don't want to change. And what that means is people to whom I listen. Permission to speak into our lives, especially when it's challenging to hear. And our tendency is that when someone speaks into our life something that we don't like, we slowly moonwalk out of that relationship. That's a pretty sad moonwalk, but you get the idea. Let me tell you what that usually actually looks like. We, we rarely want to just kind of burn the bridge and cut ties. What we actually do is we invite new voices to speak into our life who will tell us the things that we want to hear. The Bible calls them ear ticklers. They just say the things that you want to hear. Or we just get mad. We just get frustrated at the people who spoke that. And then there's this one phrase that becomes our mantra. I've been in ministry full time for about 21 years now. I'm not saying I'm fully seasoned in this, but I'm telling you, I've seen this repeat itself over and over and over again. When I get frustrated at people who are speaking into my life because they're challenging the choices that I want to make, usually when I get mad, there's this one phrase that the enemy so cleverly, craftfully weaves into the thought process of how we work through things. And that thought is no one really understands or gets me. If they understood what it was like for me, then they wouldn't say that. They don't really understand the story and what I'm walking through. Otherwise, they would encourage me differently. And then slowly, little by little, we isolate ourselves thinking that nobody fully gets me. And the enemy's going, this is working better than I thought. So if that's you, and you're the soil of the rocky ground, I want to challenge you, just stay planted where you are and dig deeper. Dig deeper. You just need a healthier root system. Hey, here's a couple practicals. Be here on Sundays. I'm not saying you can't miss. I mean, I'm judging you every time you're not here, but I'm not saying, <laughs> I get it, vacations, today's a beautiful day. You're here instead of the beach. I'm proud of you. Some of you are in your bathing suits. So I'm wearing shorts. I'm going later. <laughs> be here. Why? Because God does something when we gather together like this. Hey, be in a connect group. How, how else do you build godly relationships with people if you don't actually go to a space where you sit down on a weekly basis and you, you grab some coffee? Nate, here's what I'm struggling through. and Pray for my wife. I think she's got a Jezebel spirit and I just need, <laughs> no, we would never. She punched me. Did y'all see that? Her ring is lethal, man. 
gosh, we need connect groups where we actually, we, we spend enough time with each other to trust each other. This is Reuben, he's my boy. If I ever got in a fight, I'm gonna call him because he's yoked and he's got my back. <laughs> I know what he's walked through, he knows what I've walked through, why? Because we spend enough time with each other to trust each other and that means when I start acting like a knucklehead, he knows. Yeah. And he can text or call and say, what are you doing? But if we don't actually do that, then we, we don't have the godly relationships to help me have a healthy root system. Hey, let me tell you something else, jump on the dream team. Yeah. Why? Because you've never lived until you're part of a team of people making a difference. And if you don't know where to start, I, I know this is crazy. We say it all the time, but the welcome to church party is a great place to take your first step. Why? Because we were sitting around thinking, we don't have anything to do. Let's do something else. No! Because sometimes we just need a little insight of where do I start so that I can let the root system grow a little deeper and I can get stronger in my faith. And that way, when the temptation comes, I can stand firm. Yeah. I just want to challenge you. Today, after this service, we have a welcome to church party. Don't, don't. I, there's one couple who comes to second service every Sunday, except when we do the welcome to church party. <laughs> I'm going to call him out. He was at first service today. <laughs> Just stop hiding behind excuses. We are not going to pull the snakes out in this meet. We're going to feed you lunch, talk about the heart of our church, and then help you identify somebody like snakes. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I'm just telling you, jump in. It'll be worth it. Three types of soil. Third type of soil. We're on, we got to keep going. Eight minutes and 20 seconds. The third type of soil, he said, among thorns. And this is the lure of convenience. Verse 14, it says, and as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and pleasures of life. And their fruit does not mature. These are people who have the potential for spiritual growth. But life just has a, too much to offer as distractions. The idea that I can fill my life with so many good things, but I leave no room for spiritual fruit. The thorns represent here distractions. We're not talking about sin. Just the distractions that life seem to offer. It's the notion that I, I hear the word and I believe the word. I'm for it and I need it, but I just get choked out. That word choked literally means drowned in my pursuit of distractions. Look at what verse 14 says. And as they fell among thorns, they are those who hear. Look, he names these three distractions. They're choked out by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. And the scariest part about this verse, leave this up for a moment, is that last statement, and their fruit does not mature. That, that word cares, it, it literally means anxiety. The things that, that just keep you up at night, the worry and the things that are overwhelming to you. And they, they become a distraction just as much as anything else. They distract us from what God's trying to do in and through us. Why? Because we're consumed with the possibility of what could go wrong or what seems like a looming challenge or problem. Later in, in Luke 21, Jesus comes back and he said, watch out. Don't get weighed down by the same cares or they'll come on you like a trap. 
Later in, in 1 Peter, another writer comes in and he says, hey, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast literally means to give the responsibility back to God. And some of us in this room literally have been taking responsibility for things that only God can be responsible for. Some of us today need to go, God, this is it's your problem. It's not mine anymore. And I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to lean into you, God. You, you, you handle it. I'm, I'm tired of worrying about it. He'd be like, man, it's about time. I got you covered. <laughs> another thing that chokes us out, another thorn is riches. Now, again, listen, Jesus is not implying that we can't acquire wealth or have great things. What, what he's saying is the drive for more will choke out the word of God if we're not careful. The drive for more. So the question to ask ourselves is what is consuming you? Is it I've got to build this business? I, I've got to get ahead. I, I, I've got to get noticed. Or is it, man, God, I just want to be closer. I just want to be closer. And the third type of thorn that he talked about is pleasure. And this is anything that we find enjoyment in or anything that makes us feel good. Today, I, I feel like that word pleasure should be pronounced convenience. What's the easiest, the most fun, the least resistance for me? Why? Because gosh, let's be honest, work is challenging sometimes. And I get home, I'm exhausted. I don't even know if it's gonna, the job's gonna be there tomorrow. Or marriage is a challenge. I'm just trying to finish my senior year, man. Whatever it might be, there's so many challenges that I believe specifically in Orange County, there's this anesthetizing pool to leisure and convenience. And again, there's nothing wrong with leisure and convenience as long as it's not competing for God's word for your attention. Matthew 6, paints this picture. Jesus said, let me show you the right order for this. Let me tell you what, what should be the priority. Why don't you seek first the kingdom of God? In other words, why don't you start with what I have for you? Just make that your priority. Make that your focus. And and his righteousness. And then everything else will fall into place. Everything else will work out. Just put me first. Put me first. The third or fourth type of soil that Jesus is speaking about is the good soil. And this is in reference to an open heart. And look at what he says in verse 15. He says, as for the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. I want to leave that verse up for a moment. For the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, this is implying that they're not only listening, but they're obeying. And then that, that word hold fast, it, it's to continue in my belief. It's a nautical term telling sailors to hold fast to the rope or the rails. Why? Because the ship is in the middle of a storm. And if you don't hold fast, you might get cast overboard and lose your life. And that's what the writer is saying. That's what Jesus is saying. Hold fast. He's not saying that good soil is stronger. He's saying that it digs in and it stays true and it holds fast when things get tough. 
He's saying that good soil just chooses not to let go. And some of us just need to be reminded of that today. Maybe some of you in this room have been praying for things or believing for things or trying to see God and you've allowed the cares and the concerns and the circumstances of your life and your world to shift or pull away from what God wants to do. And maybe he sent me just to remind you to hold fast to that. God's not done with that. He's not done with the finished work he's working on in you. The Bible says he is faithful to complete that which he began. Some of us just need to be reminded to hold fast. But Pastor Kerry, it's overwhelming. I know you wouldn't have to hold fast if it wasn't. We don't have to stand firm in our belief when everything's going great. When do you have to stand firm when everything in life is up against you? Get a dig in and just say, I'm not going to waver on my belief. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect. Just don't waver in the fact that God is for you. He's fighting for you and doing great things for you, even when you can't see them. Hold fast. Because the next part of the scripture is honest and a good heart. What does that mean? Just choosing to do what's right with the right motive. I just wonder what would happen in our world if Christians, people who say I'm a follower of Jesus, just chose to do what's right. Let's just do, let's just have integrity. <laughs> let's just choose to do, let's, if we're running a business, let's run it like God would want us to run it. If we're an employer, show up on time. Employee, sorry. Don't be late. Hey, don't cheat on your taxes. And don't cheat on your spouse. Just want to throw that one in there too. Let's just do what's right. He's not saying that good soil is perfect. He's just, he's not even saying that good soil is better. It just chooses to do what's right. And look at the result. Look at what happens. It's a seed that grows and it increases. It bears fruit with patience. And every human on the planet wants that. We want to know that my life is counting for something and I'm impacting people so that when I'm dead and gone, my life is still counting for something. What kind of soil are you? There's three figures we pull from this parable. Number one is the seed, the word of God. Number two, the soil, that's you and me. And number three, which is the most important, the Savior. The Savior. He's the one in the story casting the seeds. And that's the greatest depiction of who Jesus is. Relentlessly saying, I'm here for you. Relentlessly saying, I'm never going to give up on you. Even when you give up on me. Relentlessly saying, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you said. I'm still here. I still have plans for you. Plans to prosper you and to keep you, to give you a hope and a future. I'm still going to tell you, you've got a future no matter what you have did. You're not bound by the labels of your past. You're not the summation of your past choices. But nope, there's still great things for you. That's the picture of Jesus. Revelation 3.20 says it in a much more beautiful way. It's Jesus speaking and he says, hey, behold. I stand at the door of your heart knocking. Not not like I'm going to knock three times and walk away. Not only knock on Sundays, but just relentlessly I'm there. And if you just open the door of your life to me, I'll walk with you. I'm in it with you. 
It doesn't matter what happened yesterday. Today he's knocking. Right now. Say, man, this is the great things that I have for you. What type of soil are you? Three figures, four soils, three thorns. What's God trying to do in your life today? What's God trying to rearrange and to change? What's God trying to shift? Where is he shifting the focus from and then to? I know this right now that God's trying to do something in our lives. How many of you just be honest and say, you know what? I've got some work to do on the soil of my life. Would you just raise your hand? Awesome. I want to pray for us today. For everyone. And here's what I'm going to ask with nobody leaving the room yet. Just quietly and reverently stand to your feet. I'm going to pray that God would open our heart, that we would not be the hardened ground, that, that, that the word of God can't do a work. I'm going to pray that, that if there's sin I, knocking at the door of my heart, that I'll stop saying yes to the things I used to say yes to and begin to say no to those things. And I'm going to begin to say yes to the things that God has for me. And if there's a distraction like a thorn trying to choke out the word of God and God's purpose, I'm going to pray that God would shift that. Would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody leaving. No one moving. God, do a work in our life right now that only you can do. God, I pray you'd help us to identify the things that need to change, that need to be rearranged. God, we just thank you that that the words of this song sing that no matter where we've been, no matter where we've gone, that we can stand boldly and say we are a son or a daughter of the Most High God, that we're your children, that you're for us and not against us. So God, we thank you you're doing that now, and we lift our voices today to sing a declaration of faith. Come on, guys let's sing this with everything that we've got come on every time I sing that song I sing it as loud as I possibly can and I'll tell you exactly why because I grew up in church as a pastor's kid I married a pastor's kid I've been in ministry for 20 some odd years but I also knew how to hide a secret sin that became so disastrous that I thought it would cost me everything. I know the darkness place of the darkest place of a soul. I know what it feels like to walk and live as a hypocrite while people think that you're doing everything right. I know what it feels like to think that God has never been more distant from my life. So when I sing this song, it's not just talking about who God is, but it's reminding myself that I'm not the summation of my past. And I just want to tell you before we go any further in our, t- in our service today, there are some of you that need to know today that God is for you and not against you. And the greatest days of your life are ahead of you, but there is a starting point. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm not even talking now about the welcome to church party. I'm talking about a moment of decision where you say yes to what Jesus can and wants to do in your life. And here's the great news. He's done all the heavy lifting. You don't have to get perfect. You don't have to eradicate your past. You don't have to live and think like everybody else around you. You just got to start by saying, Jesus, I give you my life. And if you're here and you've never made that decision, I'm going to give you a moment to do just that. You don't even have to get out of your seat. Nobody has to know. But right where you're seated in the quietness of your own heart, in a moment, I'm going to challenge you just to repeat a prayer with me. 
and start this journey with Jesus. Some of you today, it's the first time, and there are some of us in this room who've been flirting with destiny and God's plan and hope for our life, and today is the day to pray this prayer and start over again with God and say, okay, God, I'm giving you control of the driver's seat of my life. Here's what I'm gonna ask everyone in this room, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody leaving, nobody looking around. If you're here and you have never prayed this prayer, today is your day, it's the reason that you're here. And if you're here and you've been running from God, maybe you prayed this prayer a long time ago, but today's your day to come running back. I wanna challenge you in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper just to repeat this prayer after me. Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. Just say this right here, just say, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. God, I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me and make this statement your own? Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.